hello, guys. Thank you for tuning back into the Anish Experience. It's another episode of the Sports Talk, weekly sports talk show, uh, Jan 20th. And uh, this week's podcast, we're going to be talking uh, mostly about the Australian Open, what's been happening mostly on the men's side for the last week, as well as touch on the women's side. Uh, Kyler Murray and his decision to uh, declare for the NFL draft, and also what uh, what he's facing with regards to his decision to play baseball or football. And then uh, briefly touch on sort of what's happened in the NBA the last few weeks last week, as well as a brief touch on the NFL matchups for tonight. And as always, I'll end it off with a WWW segment, and this week I thought was pretty funny. So the the first thing I'll start off with is uh, the Australian Open. So obviously this is uh, one of tennis's biggest events of the year, uh, and it has been quite exciting so far with uh, a number of upsets. The first one obviously being one that just actually happened quite recently, uh, which was today it happened today was uh, Federer uh, losing to uh, Stefano Tsitsipas. So Stefano Tsitsipas, he's a 14th ranked uh, player from Greece, really young guy. I think he's only still 20 years old, um, and it was a big upset. I think he won seven six six seven seven six seven five, um, and really really impressive. I mean, saw the highlights uh, this morning and. He, he played well. He played better than Federer. Federer made most of the mistakes, and he, he played incredible. And I was lucky enough to see him last year at the Rogers Cup when he really burst out onto the scene. And so in a span of four days, he beat uh, Dominic Thiem, Novak Djokovic, Alexander Zverev, and Kevin Anderson four days in a row to eventually make the final where he lost to Nadal. But he's one of those players that I think is going to be really up and coming. I mean, he's already had great results against the top guys. And he's he's shown he's he won as well last year at the next gen ATP finals, which is sort of the event for the younger generation of up and coming men's players. And he already he won that event. And he's really come onto the scene. I mean he he did really well against Federer today and he had a good week uh, coming into it. Didn't have any amazing or opponents that were, were class results, but he, he got to where he needed to and and played well, and he, he sort of reminds me of this rare of type and mold because he's he's a very tall guy, he's got a big power serve, but he's still good on the baseline. I mean, he can still move pretty well. He did a really good job today of returning Federer's serve and allowing him to make the mistakes. And so, I mean, it was it was really cool, very nice to watch. Obviously, for most tennis fans, they won't really like that as everybody sort of wants to see Nadal, Djokovic, Federer in the final and semifinal every year. But, I mean, with, with where tennis is going, you need you need the next generation. You need the next guys to come in and, and get results against the big guys now because that's that's the future of tennis and that's where it's going. And I think he is one of those players that could potentially lead it and be a, a great player uh, years to come. The next one as well is uh, another guy who is an up-and-comer who, who played really well and who actually did well at the Rogers Cup last year as well was uh, Francis Tiafo. So he's a smaller American player uh, who's got a ton of tenacity, not a big serve, but can move really well, can play behind the baseline. And so this week already he had a, he had a big upset earlier this week against Kevin Anderson in round two. And most people probably might have seen it because on social media he uh, reenacted LeBron James' celebration. So obviously that caused stir and, and people... People watch that online, but he already beat he beat Dimitrov as well um, yesterday, and it's a big match set up against Nadal coming in. So I think he's uh, he's another up and coming guy, just like Tsitsipas, who who could be uh, an interesting player going forward. And I think, I mean, he, he I think uh, especially for America, I think I think they need him. He's he's the only person. I mean, Isner has sort of always been there for a number of years, but he hasn't really performed at the Grand Slams and won enough, enough tournaments to have at the American media and the American people sort of be involved and interested, even North America in general, because that's obviously where we get most of our sports. And um, 
I think now um, having an American in the race, especially at a, at a Grand Slam, ESPN and, and the American media, Fox and ABC and all these guys are going to have to pay attention. I mean, obviously, they'll only pay attention when he gets results. And I mean, there's an outside shot. He beats Nadal tomorrow. And then everybody, every American is going to be interested and excited and willing to see these guys. So uh, he's but anyway, he's another up and comer that uh, has had a good week so far. Next guy as well from the Canadian standpoint. So Raonic is still in the tournament. Uh, Jeannie lost quite early last uh, last week. I started talking about her. So, so she lost to Serena earlier on this week. Uh, but Raonic is through week two, and I think he's always really done um, pretty decently in Australia. Uh, when even in 2016, he ended up making the semifinal uh, where he lost to Andy Murray. But this week so far, he's done well. I mean, he had good results against Kyrgios, who won beat him in straight sets, and against Warinka. He's obviously still. Uh, coming back from the injury thing with Raonic though I always I always feel it's the same story it's the same thing where it's he gets into matches with players where he just overpowers them and dominates and eventually you you beat the top guys who can return your serve and all they have to do is break him once and he can't really do the same thing so I think until he gets his ground game back and his return game it's going to be hard to uh, hard to see him um, continue and sustain a level of excellence that uh, the other guys have had for such a long career but he has a nice match against uh, Zverev tomorrow morning, so that'll be exciting and really tell us if, uh, if he's made a leap and maybe can uh, can do something this week. The other one, the last one was, so last week, obviously, Andy Murray was the big news uh, coming out of tennis, and uh, he lost in his first round, unfortunately, to uh, Robert Batista Agut. Um, but he's actually had a good week as well, and he's now beaten uh, Kachanov, who uh, burst onto the scene, I think it was last year in the US Open, as well as Chilich, who was actually last year's uh, Australian Open finalist. So there's a couple people like uh, TFO, Tsitsipas, uh, and Robert Agut, Batista Gut, who seem like they could uh, make some hay and really do some damage and, and upset some people this week. Then again, though, knowing what's been happening for the last, I don't know, 15 years, you always it always feels like at the at the slams, the, the guys who have been there before are going to get it done again. And it seems like, especially with Federer now having gone out, it seems like a collision course between Nadal and Djokovic. And again, that would be epic. I think tennis fans all over the world would love it and you get huge ratings again and everybody would be super involved. Um, and it, it's going back as well to their earlier Australian Open final, which I think was in 2012, um, and they ended that match. I mean, that was almost a six-hour epic five-setter. Uh, and if you can, if tennis fans can get that again, I mean, they would be they would be very happy. Personally, for me, I mean, I've always I've always been a Nadal guy. I mean, I I remember in 2007 uh, when he was just coming onto the scene and winning all his French Opens. I remember getting they're still in my room to this day uh, back in Toronto. Um, a, mur- a mural of Nadal on the wall um, and I can't believe it's been 12 years since that was put up and he's still at the top of his sport um, along with Djokovic and even Federer um, so personally I, I mean I hope Nadal comes back can win Australia and then maybe he could win another one obviously he's going to win the French year but if he gets Wimbledon or the US then I mean that so that's that, if he does that's almost 20 and if you if he does that even if he gets to 19 I think and he does it then there's an argument that Nadal is uh, the greatest tennis player of all time I've had this back and forth with a number of different people and a number of different tennis fans over the years and I think the argument I always have with Nadal is if you look at his head-to-head results against Federer he's he's superior uh, Federer's also had a couple more years before Nadal got to his um, apex um, and to win a couple more slams than him 
And also, you have to consider his health. I mean, Nadal has had a significant amount of injuries, whether it was his wrist, whether it was his shoulder, his back, his knee, both knees. Uh, and he's missed a significant amount of time. And even with them missing so much time to come back to the level where he's been to succeed, to be a first seed, to win tournaments and Grand Slams after being out for a, a time, years, um, it's impressive. It's so impressive. And I think, obviously, people don't like his style of play as much as Federer is the classic um, sort of nonchalant uh, greatness personified, just does stuff that is just beautiful to watch and amazing. And I'm not, and Nadal's more the rugged, get to balls, tire you out, grind it out. And people, obviously, most tennis fans aren't uh, aren't as big fans of that. But I mean, there's a real argument to be made that, especially if Nadal this year can can win uh, win slams, then there's a he could he could pass him and he could get he could first one catch him and then yeah pass him eventually and become the greatest player. Now the the, the obvious um, counter argument to that is oh yeah but Nadal's won oh, most of his on clay which is 100% true and in in I think history everybody's sort of said that on one court he's the greatest player per one court obviously clay uh, in history and Federer is a more all round player and has won at many different things which is true but also if you can if Nadal wins and ends up winning at Australia or at Wimbledon or at the US Open which he has done already but if he continues to do that more then you can also make the argument that he's done just as well um now the thing is obviously Federer has his seven or eight titles as well at Wimbledon so people say he's the greatest grass court so it's hard either way I think it's exciting because it just means that this conversation you keep having it and with that with these guys being as relevant as ever and continuing to win at the pace they have it makes it exciting um even though I had talked about all the young up-and-comers and and the way they're going I mean I think the old guard is still is still around and they're still winning and they're still succeeding I think people are still happy about that and willing to pay attention but yeah, and on the other side, you have Djokovic, who has come back now and obviously won the U.S. Open towards the end of last year, and he's at 14 slams. So Federer's at 20 Grand Slam titles, Nadal's at 17, and Djokovic at 14. And the thing with Djokovic is why he could even actually be better than Nadal and Federer is he's always had their number. Uh, he's won a lot of slams, and he's also got a few more years left on the other guys. And so if they, if if he, if he, I mean, he might have another great year and win three or four titles this year. And if he does that, then. Then there's that argument that is he is he the best player ever with what he went through as well because he, the last couple of years I mean he he was injured he had I, I know there was some some social stuff and mental and he was he took he checked himself out uh, mentally because he wasn't as involved uh, with tennis but I mean he's come back now he looks he looks as good as ever and so so we'll see what happens either way I think this week in the men's side is going to be very exciting. Conversely, on the women's side, I, I mean, I don't find it as interesting these days just because there's no star players. I mean, every every week it seems like women's tennis is really a crapshoot. Is, is Serena back and healthy in a tournament? If she is, she's probably going to win. Um, if not, then I, I, who else do you root for? I mean, I think the, the problem with women's tennis these days is they don't really have that star go-to face who, who is winning and continuing to win. Um, and sustained um, at a at a at a good result. I think even Sharapova. So Sharapova lost today. Thank God, because uh, I'm not a not as big of a fan of her after her whole um, taking magnesium for her heart or some bullshit excuse to get out of doping. Um, but the other person that I guess could the only one I can think of the two the two that come to mind for me are sort of Sloane Stevens and Naomi Osaka. So Osaka was obviously she's the 
Japanese girl, really young up-and-comer who won the U.S. Open last year against Serena in that crazy match with the ref and the coaching and the penalized game and all that, um, which doesn't take away from how well she played that tur- that final in that tournament because she was so impressive. But she's only won one. And even Sloane Stevens, so she's the young American girl who's had good results, but I, I still think she hasn't won a major yet, but I'll have to double-check that. Um, but they're really the only young up-and-comers. I mean, for, for, for who else are you... Are you looking at and saying, oh, they're a star, I, I can't wait to watch them play and watch their match? And I, I, it's it's hard to see anybody coming and doing what, sustaining a level of excellence that, I mean, Serena or even Sharapova had to an extent for a period of time. Because, like, you'll have, like, guys, like, even in golf, so Jordan Spieth a couple of years ago in 2016 had, I mean, a six months that was just unbelievable. He was winning tournaments. He was he was uh, Tiger-esque. Um, and, that, and that has... That was over six months, and everybody was losing their minds, and there was articles being written, is he the next Tiger? Could he be the next greatest? Like, look at how much he's won when he was so young compared to what Tiger did. And it falls off, and it always falls off with these individual sports. And I think, especially for me now, I look at it more of an appreciation of of this time, um, sort of post-2000, where in the individual sports, like in tennis and golf specifically, so you have like Serena, you have Tiger, you have Federer, you have Nadal, and even Djokovic now. And what they've done and how they've sustained their excellence over a period of a number of years, even with injuries, even with like Serena having her baby, even with everything else going on, they've still won and they've still competed at the highest level. And so I think seeing, especially seeing these in tennis, like seeing seeing Federer, seeing Nadal, seeing Djokovic, who probably the greatest three players could potentially work in, in the end, be the greatest three players in tennis, uh, men's tennis of all time. And seeing that and seeing them play against each other week to week, I think is just so exciting that I think we need to take more, more, more time to appreciate how really great uh, these players are. So next thing I'll, I want to touch on, and this was a big story, I think, in America earlier on this week, was the Kyler Murray news. So for those of you who don't know Kyler Murray, uh, he's an Oklahoma University uh, Heisman-winning quarterback who declared for the NFL draft just last week. And the reason why I think I wanted to touch on him is because he is really um, the embodiment of a two-sport athlete. So he was actually drafted as a top-ten pick uh, a few years back by the Oakland A's, who actually gave him a $4.66 million signing bonus um, at the time of saying right out of high school. So at the time, instead of going to the minor leagues and going right into baseball, he decided to go, because he was still a good football player, decided to go into college to do football and then ended up winning a Heisman. Now, he declared for the NFL draft um, as of last week, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to the NFL. So there's still time for the A's organization to come in and negotiate a contract with him. But it's really interesting because we haven't really seen any athlete who has been that good in multiple sports since, I guess you could say Deion Sanders, but the, the best who was, who was the most successful was Bo Jackson, and that was 30 years ago now. Um, so it's, it's interesting because there's, I mean, there's, there's obviously both sides to the argument. So people around the NFL are saying that there's potentially could be a number one pick because Cliff Kingsbury, who's now the head coach in Arizona, um, they have the number one pick. And there was a video of him in, uh, I think it was October, saying that he loved Kyler Murray and loves him and think potentially that he would take him number one overall um, down the road. So obviously that's old and there's much evaluation that has to go on. And there's a lot of other things that have to be uh, checked before anything happens. But I mean, that's a it's an interesting nugget to this whole thing. Now, when you look at the situation objectively, I think it looks like baseball is the better bet because, I mean, the NFL is a crapshoot league. It's a crap league. Players aren't guaranteed their money. Um, 
and contracts in the MLB are fully guaranteed. And then obviously the safety situation. So playing in, you think playing in baseball for a number of years, you have a lot more years to make more money. Whereas football, there's a chance that you get a bad head injury, you get a bad knee injury, you get anything, and then you're done. And there goes your marketability. However, I do want to make a few arguments on the opposing side um, because there are there are a couple things why the NFL actually may work out to be a better bet. So the first thing is the rules. So the rules of the last, if you've been following football for a number of years, there have been rule changes uh, to protect the quarterbacks these days. And it's gotten even worse this year. I mean, def- there's there's been many people, especially defensive guys, who say you can't touch a quarterback anymore. You can't hit him to the ground. You can't throw him. You can't do anything. You can't go for his legs. You can't go for his head. So where are you supposed to hit the guy in the chest? But if it, you hit him too hard then there could be other issues and you could get flagged either way. So obviously with his position and him playing quarterback, if he can develop into a pocket passer where he's not moving outside the pocket, he's not a runner and he doesn't have to take big hits, then you can still make more money and you can still be like, I mean, look at Tom Brady, look at Peyton Manning, look at Andrew Luck, guys who have become, even Russell Wilson to the extent these days where he's not running as much and he's become a full pocket passer. I mean, they're successful and they have the ability to earn a lot of money over a long period of time and they're always protected. The other thing in the baseball side is the player salaries. So even though baseball is a fully guaranteed contract um, where they're getting paid in full, the salaries have been dropping recently. So I remember years ago when Giancarlo Stanton, who's outfielder now for the Yankees but was on the Marlins, he got a $315 million 13-year deal, which was crazy at the time. I mean, I think Kershaw as well got a $300 million deal. People were like, oh, this is crazy. And at that time, this was a couple of years back, when uh, they said this class, the 2018 free agency class with specifically uh, Manny Machado, who used to play uh, shortstop for the Orioles, and Bryce Harper, who played uh, outfield for the Nationals, said that these guys, because they were so young, I mean, they're only 26, 25, they have a number of years left in baseball, could potentially make upwards of $400 million. Uh, And with what's happening recently, I I don't know how many people have been following it, but baseball, it doesn't seem to be like they're like it's going to happen. I mean, there was rumors this week that Machado was going to get 175 for seven years, which is nothing compared to, um, or or significantly less than I think what was thought. Now his agent came out to refute the report and said that it wasn't true. Um, but that, I mean, that that's the only number we have. And even the fact that these guys haven't been signed yet, obviously there's a whole courting process and multiple teams are involved, like the Phillies, the White Sox, the Yankees, um, there, it's it, it's not it doesn't look like it's the same, and I think just from a as well going on to the next point of a marketability perspective. I mean, the NFL, no matter what, is still the king of sports, and it's still the king of big business. And even though it's a crap league, and there's so many other problems around it, it still puts in all the money and gets everything. So, and the thing with baseball as well is that it it feels like a dying sport. So I know there was a lot of issues towards the early last year because of attendance. Now people said that was um, because of weather, and that the weather initially wasn't good, but even throughout the league, even throughout the league, I mean, there's there's now more incentive for teams to do what the Cubs did and what the Houston Astros did, and the Phillies have basically done, and they're sort of in the midst of it, is just tank, tank, and be terrible, win 50 games out of 160 a year, be awful. The Orioles are basically doing that sort of now, get a bunch of picks, and then wait, wait, wait until they all develop, and then spend money like crazy to get big guys to come in, and then hopefully you win. And I mean, the Astros have been successful; they have an amazing group of young players, and I think people are realizing like that's the way it's going. And because of that, and also because like less people are going to the park, I mean, even baseball is a sport. It's so boring. I mean, think thinking about, okay, so there's 162 games in the year that happens all the time. You're not going to sit, especially at home. I think that's the that's the big thing that they've lost is it's not fun now to watch baseball game at home. Um, whereas football, it's different. So football now going to a game is, 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 t- is tiring because tickets are so expensive, parking so expensive, it's so busy. 
but the the TV and the camera angles and where you can watch it has been better than ever. Whereas baseball is it's so boring. I think now even everything is about a home run or a strikeout. I know there was a statistic that said that in an average baseball game for the 2017 season, the difference between when the ball was hit in play, um, the time between when the ball was last in play was nine minutes. So imagine sitting there on your couch for nine minutes and nothing has happened and nothing goes on. That's boring, especially for, I think, kids in our generation, um, the millennials, because their attention spans are so short and baseball is not for them. Because So unless like baseball speeds it up or they get more contact or there's more stuff going on, it's a sport that I, I just think is is not going to have the same. I mean, the NBA is going to eventually pass it, it very soon, it, and it could eventually pass the NFL actually. Um, so that that's something as well that I think Kyler Murray needs to consider is his marketability in the NFL is always going to be an all time high um, if he does the if he goes the right way and and presents himself as a brand and is out there and doing his stuff. Whereas in baseball, it's just I think especially with young people, it's it's not going to be as exciting. The other thing is the initial money in the NFL might be easier. So even though we got this $4.6 million signing bonus, plus actually if the Oakland A's end up do negotiating a contract with him and do get him on the roster, then maybe it's a potentially easier. But whereas in the NFL, if he if he's so if he's a top ten pick, for example, he'll get um, over ten million dollars up front guaranteed, plus his rookie contract's already done. And the thing with that is as well, he is he he has a chance to to learn and to grow immediately. And he has a chance to a play uh, because rookies, especially if he goes to a team like Arizona, who's Rosen, I mean, really hasn't done much. Uh, I, I mean, they're, pro- they're probably going to keep with him though, because obviously they they drafted him really high to to be their next guy. But he could potentially end up on a team where he, even if he waits a couple years behind a Russell Wilson or Drew Brees or somebody, he could go out and and make it and become a star very much more quickly. Whereas baseball, it might take him till his second contract, and that's seven years down the line at least until he gets his big deal. So. Either way, I think it's an overall fascinating situation to watch and one I'm definitely going to be keeping tabs on um, over the next couple of weeks. So some NBA news to touch on towards the end. I'll just say, I mean, the first one is Harden is just crazy. Like last week I said, I mean, I think this week he's cemented. I mean, if he maintains the pace that he is now, he's 100% winning MVP because so yesterday they beat the Lakers 138-134. I mean, him and Eric Gordon just down the road, down the stretch, hit two big clutch threes to get them to overtime where they eventually won. Um, And so this week he's put up 58 points, 57 points, and 48 points right in the thick of the Western Conference. Um, And he's now averaging uh, almost 36 points a game for a season. And in NBA history, the only two players ever are Michael Jordan and Will Chamberlain to do that. So if he ends up hitting that mark and continues to sustain his pace, I mean, he's going to win MVP no matter what Giannis is doing, no matter what anybody else is doing, because what he's doing is historical. So the other thing that happened that was big this week was Cousins' return, um, and so he played against the Kippers. It was kind of funny, too, because he ended up getting ejected and then got, like, a nice standing ovation because he's still back to being DeMarcus Cousins. So, I mean, if they can get going, it, it uh, yeah, it's scary. looks like the rest of the league. The other caveat, though, with that, too, is, and I've said this before, is if he comes in and screws with the chemistry and, and, bitches, at the, and bitches and moans at his teammates and talks about their, everybody in the media then uh, maybe maybe this turns out well for the Raptors. I think the other thing as well is uh, we need Drake to Drake to start supporting the Warriors because the, the curse is still alive and well. I know there was a photo that went up on social media yesterday where he supported all the four NFL teams so they could all lose. But uh, yeah, I think I think for the Raptors' sake, I think he needs to start uh, hopping on the Warriors' bandwagon soon enough. So get them in some uh, get them in some trouble. I think now, to, for especially in the NBA, I think we've hit a sort of lull period that sort of always happens post-New Year's, where it's basically like everybody's just gearing up for the trade deadline and um, 
All-Star Weekend, which is about a month away. Personally, I hope Doncic gets in right now. I think he's second in the forward voting, but doesn't mean he's a shoe-in because half the vote is now forwards and half the vote is now media, sorry, uh, fans, and half the vote is now media members. And I also hope Jokic gets a starter spot, um, but that I don't know will happen as well. Uh, but the East, I think, on the other side, conversely, is going to be interesting because there's there's a bunch of people who are going to be first-time All-Stars. Like, I think even Siakam, like, there's an outside shot that Pascal Siakam ends up as an NBA All-Star, which is kind of crazy. Um, I mean... To me, if he does that, I mean, he basically shoe in for most improved. And even now, I think you can make an argument he has been because he's just taken such an unbelievable leap for the Raptors this year. Um, but I think it'll be, either way, interesting to watch and see who actually gets in. Lastly, one to end off, just briefly touching. So obviously, the NFL season pretty much comes to the, like, the la- I mean, obviously, the Super Bowl is the last thing, but that's more a spectacle than the actual NFL season. But it's mostly the season comes again tonight. So personally, I think the Saints are going to be playing the Chiefs in Atlanta. But knowing my picks over the last few weeks and, and who I've talked about and who I thought was good, it's probably going to end up the conversely the other way, Pats Rams. But uh, maybe I should just say Pats Rams are going to make it and then jinx myself and the other guys can go. But either way, I think this playoff so far, I mean, there has been some exciting finishes, like I mean, the Philly Bears one and obviously the Philly New Orleans one last week as well was pretty exciting. But I think toward this weekend, I'm just really hoping for, for some exciting games and exciting finishes. But yeah, so that uh, that sort of finished it. The last one, obviously, I'll end off with my WWW Weird Wild and Wonderful segment. Uh, so there's two things I, I thought was quite funny this week. One of them was, so the Asian Cup is going on uh, over the last couple of weeks, and there's a match between Australia and Syria. And uh, in the video, you can see, so basically a, a ball was crossed into the box, and um, somebody on the Syrian team tripped his teammate in the box, and the, and the guy fell. And then the ref gave him a penalty. Um, and it's just funny because, I mean, yes, could it be bribery and collusion and uh, match fixing? Possibly. But uh, when you see it, it's just, it, yeah, it's really funny how this ref just clearly missed it. And also, I guess to be fair, if you watch it the first time without replay, it does look like he potentially gets tripped. So anyway, that was that was something. And then the last thing, the other thing was, um, so the Wizards, uh, Washington Wizards did a parking challenge where they got these mini, mini parking things with kids. Uh, during one of their commercial breaks, and it was uh, basically the kids had to go around the court and then eventually park in a thing. And it's just really funny because <laughs> the kids just don't care about uh, all the adults, and they take out multiple people. One of the kids just drives into the host at one point, and then they also called it early because another one came in hot at the end. So, yeah, that's, that's another week uh, this week. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. It's time for the Fact Check with your host, Anish Kaushal. I think, guys, just before you leave, just wanted to do another fact check quickly. Didn't miss too much this week, which is always nice, but uh, there were definitely still a few things. So, first one was I talked about uh, CC Pass versus Federer and the score. Uh, CC Pass actually beat Federer uh, 6 7, 7 6, 7 5, 7 6. That was one thing. Next thing was uh, I mentioned Federer. I think I said I think I said he won seven or eight times. He actually won Wimbledon eight times uh, total. I also mentioned Sloane Stevens uh, hasn't won a Grand Slam title, which is not true. And she did. I didn't really even remember this, but she won the U.S. Open in 2017, which is actually a big result. Next one I, I talked about uh, Clayton Kershaw 
while I was mentioning uh, the salaries in the in baseball, I mentioned Clayton Kershaw got a $300 million contract, which is not true, as uh, he got an extension, uh, but it was similar as an annual average salary, but he signed for three years of $93 million, fully guaranteed. And I, if you think about it, that's kind of crazy, because he, he basically pitches once every five days, and gets $30 million a year, fully guaranteed. If anything happens, any injury happens, still gets all of his money. <clears throat> and then the last one was uh, DeMarcus Cousins, so I, I, I said he got a ejected against Clippers, which is not entirely true, as he did foul out, uh, not get ejected, but still got a standing ovation from his bench. So that was all for this week, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please reach out uh, on the Anish Experience on Facebook or at the Anish Experience on Instagram or personally as well um, with any suggestions on how to improve. So hope you guys enjoy this week, and as always, remember to always stay curious. Mm-hmm.